And MLM Rebel is a new breed of network marketer, smarter, truly independent, and free. MLM Rebels wage war against the soul-sucking corporate world and against network groups who would rather preserve doctrine than helping people get results. MLM Rebels recognize when the world changes and changes with it. MLM Rebels don't believe in duplicating things that no longer work and would rather work without a safety net than within the confines of one. MLM Rebels are only involved in opportunities that give everyone an equal playing field instead of a top-heavy one. We don't care about the sacred cows of MLM, we don't care about the industry, and we do not care about the way it's always been done. We care about people following their gut. We care about people being able to quit their jobs now. We care about people being with their family instead of their boss every day. We care about people being with their family instead of their team all day. We care about people living free. We believe a truly free networker has multiple streams of income. We believe a truly free networker's creativity isn't shackled by their company's contract. We believe a truly free network marketer actually knows how to market and that they run their business like a real business. MLM Rebels prioritize faith, family, business, sacrifice sacred cows, build their own empires, never rebel against each other, and change the world. MLM Rebels know they are not confined by doctrine, not stifled by the past, and know they are one business away. My name is Zach Spear, and welcome to MLM Rebels. Hey, what's going on guys? Zach here. Hope you're having an awesome day. Today, I am really pumped to share this episode with you because this has um, gotten so much good attention on um, on the videos that we've been putting out there recently about this exact topic, and that's uh, how to duplicate in network marketing with sales funnel. Yeah, how to duplicate network marketing with sales funnels. I almost forgot what I was talking about. Um, so the I think the second episode um, of this podcast, like, three years ago or something like that was actually this topic. Um, and I've learned things since then, believe it or not. (laughs) And so I've got some new stuff to share with you that I think you're going to find really, really helpful because, um, while a lot of the stuff in episode two or three or whatever that was is true. Um, this is going to be, um, some new information that, uh, that we've acquired after, you know, cutting our teeth, um, you know, for a longer period of time doing this, you know, we're still doing it three years later or four years later or whatever the time is. Um, and, uh, and we're still active in the game and, you know, still, still successful in the game. And, uh, and so hopefully you find some of this valuable and then I'll give you a little bit of a personal update at the end for those of you that are uh, following a little bit more, uh, or following <laughs> the only word that came to mind was rel- religiously. So following religiously. All right, so duplicating in network marketing with sales funnels. So, you know, the, one of the biggest things that people wonder, and this is one of the things that I originally wondered, is, is it duplicatable, right? Um, and I'm going to get to some meat and potatoes here, like in a minute, all right? But let me just go over something that's really important. You can't miss this, or you can't miss this. Otherwise, I would have said it. I would have said the other part first if I didn't need you to hear this first. So bear with me for a second, Okay. Think about regular network marketing for a second and how duplicatable that is. And here's the reality. It's really not that duplicatable, okay? Something that's duplicatable, something that someone without immense levels of skills can replicate. Now, to duplicate in network marketing, you know, it's the, the way that network marketing can grow fast is if you can go from what we call A-list to A-list, Right, so that's a close circle of family and friends. If you can keep pounding through those lists, like person to person, that's how things catch wildfire, and how that, that, that's how things can go boom. And so back in the day, that worked pretty well, right? Because network marketing didn't have this huge stigma with it. Today, you can get that to happen, but it's pretty rare, and it's usually all based around a product. And teams that are built around a product generally don't last. 
So like strictly if you're leading with the product, okay? So that A-list to A-list thing is where things you know fizzle out, right? Because you run out of your A-list, you run out of your close friends and family, and you have to move into either a B-list or a C-list. B-list is people that are like, they know your name, but then you're not like closely contacted with them. And C-list is cold contacts. Most people can't get much traction with their B-list, right? Um, not going to get into the reasons why, but you already know that, right? Most people can't build a substantial business based off of their B-list, so they're forced to build their business based off of a C-list, which is people that they don't know. So these would be like cold traffic off the internet, people at Target, at the gas station, that's a C-list, right? Okay, so I want you to think about this for a second. How much skill does it take to duplicate with a C-list? It's immense, it's massive. All right, I want you to think about this for a second. How much skill does it take to be a really good sponsoring machine by cold contacting people at gas stations? It's a lot. What about stalking people online? That's also a lot of skill that's needed. And it's bare minimum, it's a ton of time. What if you wanted to be a leader in network marketing? What do you probably have to do? You probably have to be a good trainer. You probably have to be on stage or some kind of capacity where you're the face of things, at least for a season of your career. How much skill does that take? Do you have to generate lots of new skills in order to do those things? Of course you do, right? So I just want to dispel how duplicatable some people think traditional network marketing is because it's not, right? The only duplication is purely based on skill replication. The easier a skill is to replicate, the more duplicatable it is, all right? So... That's the groundwork. Let's move into sales funnels. When we first started Rebels, what we were basically doing is teaching people how to do what we did. So what we did is we built a very successful recruiting funnel, all right? And it was, you know, whiz-bang, you know, amazing, right? It's doing its thing. It's recruiting people. It's making money. It's doing awesome. And so what we would be doing is we would be plugging people into that and basically plugging people in in the beginning and then ultimately showing them how to build their own. All right, let me just give you the lowdown. Teaching someone how to build a successful funnel is no freaking joke. It is no joke. And most people, honestly, can't do it. It's kind of like, it's kind of like teaching someone how to speak from stage. Most people can't do it, but how many people in network marketing are actually speaking from stage? Very few, right? I mean, if there's a team of 500 people, there might be two speakers in that, in that group, like two good ones, maybe a few more, but whatever. The point is 99%, if there's, only, if there's one out of 100, that's 99%. So 99% of everyone is not a good speaker. That's kind of like the person who can build the big whiz-bang funnel. So it'd kind of be like sponsoring every person on your team and saying, hey, dude, your first, your first step is to uh, become this, um, this bomb diggity stage speaker. That's a big, tall order. Now, in my opinion, is it better than cold contacting people at Starbucks and then learning how to speak on stage at a hotel meeting? I think it's 5,000 times better. I would much rather devote my time to building a sales funnel and teaching people how to do it than doing the former. Okay, so I still think it's 50 billion times better. But that's how we started Rebels. And we got great traction. We had people that got great traction. And we attracted people that were good at marketing and loved network marketing and combined the two and they got great traction. So don't get me wrong. It's not like it didn't work. But 
the skill level needed to duplicate was high. That's what I'm getting at. But that's the ultimate place to go. Ultimately, when you're in old school network marketing, the ultimate thing that you want is that you have people that are good at all of the basic skills, but they're also good at the advanced skills and they become their own leaders. That's what you want, right? That's what we want here too. Ultimately, I want people that can run their own funnels. That's ultimately what I want. That's the equivalent of a stage speaking leader. But that's not where I start them. So what we do now is when someone comes into our team is we generate our own leads Okay, we build our own, we, 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 we generate, excuse me, we generate our, our, yeah, whatever. We generate our own leads and our own recruits. But then when someone's new, if they want to hit the warm list, fantastic. But then they come and buy into our funnel basically. And I give them my leads that I generate because I have the skills and they don't. So literally all someone has to do is come in and they say, Zach, I want 10 leads a day or whatever. And we say, okay, this is how much that's going to cost you a day. And boom, then they get them. I scale up the ads, they get the leads. Then all we do is we teach them how to enroll those people. We teach them how to close them, right? And we have a systematic closing process. And so we literally stick them into a system, a true system of growth, where they can come in with no skills and get leads day one. These aren't bullcrap leads either. I didn't buy these leads from, you know, poohole.com MLM leads. I generated these with real traffic sources like YouTube ads, like Facebook ads, like SEO, right? So I generate these leads, put them in my funnel, and then I dish them out to my team and they take part in the investment. They, they're paying for those leads. Now, is there intricacies to this? Obviously, right? But that's how they, they get in. They don't have to do any skills, zero skills at all to get those leads. All they have to focus on is enrolling those people. And if you ask pretty much any network marketer, hey, if, if you could have unlimited people to talk to, would you be the happiest person in the world? They're all going to say yes. I remember thinking, <laughs> thinking in my early days of network marketing, I was a few years in, and I was like, man, if I could just, just talk to people, like if I didn't have to go find them, if I could just have them, that would be the most, I was, it was like a wet dream, right? I was like, oh my gosh. That's a reality, all right? So that's the first step. And we want people to be there and really stay in that pocket until they're at really probably the 50 to 100K a year mark um, and probably even more. We have people that are starting to scrape that 100K a year mark that started just six months ago and we're, they're gonna stay in that, in that pocket. And then some people are moving on to building their own systems, right? And because that's, that's the ultimate win, but, you know, honestly, I'm cool with, <laughs> with it taking a while because, again, that's like the, the creme de la creme. That's the leader of leaders, people. Does this make sense? This is how you duplicate. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is because this has been so pivotal for us. And honestly, I was a little nervous about initially sharing this, this lesson with you because this concept, we call this concept the lead wheel in our business. And uh, by the way, the, the, the lead wheel word is in, uh, is in trademark uh, land right now. So it's ours. But anyway, that, that lead wheel, the lead wheel is our like, like just, just devastating blow to competition. It's, it's the, the absolute backhand right now. And so I was a little bit reluctant to share some of this, but I'm like, you know what? I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot of room 
for all of us to do really well. And number two, I know that this takes that this takes some legit effort and only only people that really want it are going to get it. And I want to run with people like that anyway. Um, and so I'm willing to, to share this with you. This is what's working right now for us. And this has been a huge, huge learning lesson for us. And, um, and I hope it's a learning lesson for you as well. Um, so that's that. That's how you duplicate. Pretty legit. Um, uh, I'll give you a quick personal update, I guess. I'm like all fired up now. Whew. Oh, yeah, baby. Let's roll. Um, oh, man, I'm pumped. I'm like really pumped. Um, so a little personal update. The last update I think I told you uh, about the house stuff is we were still in our last house. We were a few days from having to leave. If you haven't been following the show, so basically uh, three months ago, our landlord told us that he wanted to move back into our house, which totally sucks because we had an amazing house in Southern California. It was a coastal town um, with some good amount of land, which is very, very, very rare um, unless you're spending like gargantuan amount of money. And it was, a, it was not a cheap place, but it wasn't like, you know, $5 billion. But we had, you know, a pool, hot tub, a half court basketball court, tons of room. We backed up to a forest preserve. So we had no houses in our eyesight in the back of us. Um, beautiful sunsets and sunrises. It was just gorgeous. Seven uh, or like 10 minutes from the beach, basically. Uh, maybe 12 minutes, depending on who's driving. And uh, just amazing. Just loved it. A landlord said, hey, you can have this place for three to five years, no problem. After 12 months, nine months, actually, he, you know, decides he wants it back. And uh, and uh, he's also being a little bit of a schmuckatelli with our deposit. So um, my uh, uh, my Christian Zach is having a bit of a hard time not uh, roasting him. Um, but uh, anyway... Um, that's what happened. If you're wondering about purchasing, leasing, and my thoughts on all of that stuff, um, I'm a very deep thinker. I've actually shared my thoughts on some of the previous episodes during the personal update section. So you can go back on those and you, I give you all that context. But that's what happened. Um, uh, we, we elected to not what's called squat, which is basically just stay in a house <laughs> and don't leave because uh, we live in California, aka California, um, where basically it's a very tenant-friendly state, not landlord. So like we literally could have just like stayed in the house and there's nothing he could have done about it. Um, so it's like double the reason why I'm like, dude, give me my freaking deposit back, you Ugh, nickel and dimer. Um, and, uh, and, but we didn't do that, of course. We're, we just, I could never live with myself. Um, so we left. And um, and we started to think about buying a house and take it very seriously. So we started getting in the in the buying the house thing. And uh, long story short, everything we were bidding on, we were we were bidding over hundreds of thousands of dollars in some cases. Um, or I, I think I'm exaggerating a little bit. I think one time we went over 125 to 150, somewhere in that range, and we still didn't win the war. And it was like, do you want to bid more? I was like, for that? No, no, I don't want to bid more than that. Um, so we kind of kept just getting edged out of these of these different bidding wars. Um, at the last second, the last few weeks, we were um, starting to look at rentals and the, the, the market has gone insane. So like uh, to get like a comparable house, like we literally rented the house a year ago to get a comparable house. We're talking about a like a 50% jump in rent over a 12 month period of time. Um, which thankfully we live below our means, right? So we never stretched our, we, we try to never stretch ourselves and we really don't. So thankfully we can make that increase. Um, but it's insane. Like that's freaking nuts. Um, and like, thank God the Lord has blessed us with, you know, we're not billionaires, but 
we've had enough money to, to just handle all of these things as they've come. But like this has been an incredibly stressful and also an expensive time doing all of this crap because the market has gone literally insane. Like we're paying $1,000 a month for storage art right now. And we don't even have that much stuff. It's not like we have billions of things. We just have like two pots and it's a thousand bucks a month for that uh, plus 50 percent jump in rent um, and all this stuff we started to look at rentals and um, we found out that people were putting down 12 months in advance um, and so you know we're talking like that's a chunk of change you know our, our rent is is not small because of where we live and you know we, we're not living in crappy houses um, so these are not you know it's it's basically four to five times what we were paying in Chicago um, per month. And people are doing um, 12 months down. And so, like, I would never tie up that much money in a freaking rental. Are you kidding me? That's insane to me. So we were getting edged out of rentals, too. And they're like, do you want to put 12 months down? I'm like, uh, no, that's crazy. And so we, there was two, three days before we were about to leave the house or needing to leave. And, um, we go see a rental and beautiful house. It's in a great town called Carlsbad, California, which is where our office is. And, uh, and, um, and she says like straight in the face, it's the owner. She says, man, I love you guys. If you guys want this place, it's yours. So we submit all the paperwork. Long story short, three days later, she completely ghosts us, never says another word. And she has her like stupid little listing agent um, hit us up and say she gave it to someone else. Didn't even need the balls to tell us herself, herself. And I have never been so infuriated with, with like human, with humans. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm obviously exaggerating, but like, the lack of professionalism in some of these people, and I don't want to offend you if you're a real estate agent, and in fact, I want to empower you really quick. If you're a real estate agent, guys, you should be freaking crushing it. Real estate agents out here in California, at least maybe all over the place, but they are some of the worst business people I have ever experienced in my entire life. Absolutely horrible. If you're a real estate agent, you could literally, if you just took care of your customers and figured out some business systems solutions and learned how to generate leads properly, you could mop the freaking floor with some of these invalids. It is mind-blowing to me how unprofessional and honestly borderline stupid some of these agents have been. I'm off my soapbox. This chick, woman, older lady, who didn't have the cojones to tell us to her face... Tell us, to, tell us to our face that she's going with someone else also made me just like so sad like you literally don't have the decency to call me to even text like even hide behind a text message insane I think it's so easy to crush people in business just by caring about people and by having a solution to a problem like literally it's insanely easy to crush people because most people don't even do that um, so we end up running out of time, and we actually moved in with my friend, who's actually my sponsor, <laughs> uh, until we figured our, our stuff out. So I have, we have two pods in storage. Our cars are scattered. I have an office um, that I've been working out of, which is great. So we re- I have an executive office in Carlsbad. Me and one employee are sitting next to each other, or not next to each other. It's not like that. It's a beautiful, beautiful office. Um, so don't get me wrong. It's not like it's slumming. Um, 
And, uh, but it's just crazy. Like it's me and Ashley and the baby and our friend who thankfully we, you know, we go back years and you know, it's, it's, it's all good. Um, but I'm just like, number one, I'm just thankful that like we're not homeless. Number two, it's a humbling experience because even though like, again, we're not super, super, super wealthy, but we, we have more than we have had. Okay. Put it that way. But I honestly thought I could buy myself out of this problem. And what I have found is that, number one, I haven't been able to. Um, because people are just... The, 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 the level of the way people are handling their money, who is your competition, is just absolutely asinine to me. What's basically happening is... The reason this is happening is the market has inflated beyond belief thanks to cheap interest rates... And a couple other things. But basically, people's houses are increasing heavily, heavily, heavily. So if you had a million-dollar house, it's probably worth 1.5 right now. Like, boom, instantly they're making 500 grand. So what these people are doing is they're selling their house. They have an instant $500,000 profit that these aren't business people, so they just think that they should squander it. And so they're willing to throw it around. And they're driving the market absolutely nuts. And so I was like, oh, I'll just buy my way through this. And... You know, in some cases, could we have? Probably. It would have been irresponsible. But even if that's not, even if I couldn't have, because some of these battles are just like, no, I just flat out can't do that. But it's, it's given me a lesson in humility as well. Like, I, like even if, if there was a part of me that thought I was getting fancy, like, I'm not. I still need to rely on God. And that's been... That's been a good thing, I think. It's a, that's a that's a good thing in this journey. Um, a few days ago, uh, we um, so we're actually looking at a house in two days to purchase potentially. But funny enough, like two or three days ago, uh, we saw a house also in Carlsbad, beautiful house, um, uh, far superior in not every way, but quite a few ways than our previous house. Um, and uh, and long story short, we ended up uh, signing that lease dropping a check off, deposit, first month's rent, all of that stuff. Um, the check was not small. <laughs> kind of depressing, actually. Um, and, uh, and it's good, but, it, you know, but it's good, though. Uh, it, it's good that there's a freaking dog barking. Um, but, uh, yes, yeah, so that's good. So, you know, that's on August 1st. We'll move into that house, assuming that we don't buy this house that I just referenced. Um, if we've bought that, of course, that changes everything. And now we get it back out of the other deal and all that stuff. Um, but, uh, but either way, it's been an interesting ride for sure. Um, it's definitely tested our metal, um, in some ways, in other ways, it hasn't been as hard as people might've thought. Some ways it's been harder than I would have thought. It's been, it's been humbling. Um, and it's, it's definitely, yeah, it's, it's been humbling. I, I would say, I would say it like that. It's been, it's been more difficult with a baby than without one. Because <laughs> we used to do this thing for, on purpose. <laughs> uh, it's also harder when you're not expecting it, right? Like we purposely traveled for two years in backpacks, um, but this time we didn't purposely do that. Um, and it's also like you know, like here, you know, I'll, I'm just kind of just be honest with you. Um, you know, like you, I was like I said, I was kind of in a way. I, I didn't feel like I was starting to feel fancy. But I think I kind of was a little bit like I was like, hey, I'm kind of getting more getting a little bit more um, 
I don't want to say well-known, but I guess I'll just say that. I'm getting a little more well-known. Um, Ashley and I are doing quite a bit better, you know, financially. Um, you know, uh, you know, of course, when you run in the world of like, like successful entrepreneurs, we're like, you know, we're pipsqueaks on the world stage, right? We're like little teeny chipmunks. Um, but like in terms of like kind of normal working class people and the people that like, you know, that go to our church and stuff, of course, there's people that are far more successful than us at our church. But, you know, that's big church and just the 80-20 principle applies, the 95-5 principle applies, and you're kind of around, you're kind of around people that you, you know, might be, you know, more, you know, financially blessed than them at that current time in your life, and and it kind of can almost subconsciously, I've almost noticed it has subconsciously got to my head a little bit, and I've, I've, I, and that's even when staying super cognizant and trying to be extremely humble at all times, no matter what, like, you know, I've had people come up to me still even today and be like, Zach, I had no idea that you guys were like doing what you're doing and like doing as well as you guys are doing. Like these are people that don't know what we do for real. Right. And, and so I'm like, so I, 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 I still consciously try to make that, but subconsciously it was almost like my conscious humility was not entirely authentic. And this has helped, I think in that way. At the same time, um, I've also been told recently that I have been overly humble um, and playing stuff down too much, and not really, especially from a, from like talking within our industry perspective, like not really telling people like, "Hey, this is what we are doing. This is what we have done." So it's so it's interesting, kind of balancing this this type of stuff. Um, Anyway, I've spent, I think I spent more longer on the personal update than I have on the actual topic. So apologize for that. Hopefully uh, you're not bored out of your mind. Um, but if you're here, you know, feel like feel like we're buddies. So this is fantastic. But anyway, um, know that we love you. We appreciate you. If you stayed this long, especially, I'm grateful for you. And I hope that me just kind of taking the armor off and sharing my, you know, my vulnerabilities um, with you is, is uh, in some way useful. Um, so anyway, um, if you do enjoy the show, uh, what would be so great if you left a review and a rating, uh, obviously a five, so one, um, and a rate uh, and a review that really helps us out. But, um, with that guys, I hope you have an amazing day and, uh, we love you. We appreciate you and talk to you soon.